bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi, everybody. That's me. Gentlemen, I just noticed the react button here. I'm going to send a bunch of stars into this. <laughs> into the Skype so, chat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just I want you guys to know how I feel. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are watching the gamification of everything now. Like, uh, I love the fact that for a Skype chat, we now have hearts. So, well, gentlemen, I'm going to print in, present you with the TD Bank International Conglomerate Funds third quarter financial reports from the Northern District of Canada here. Beep, 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 heart, 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 heart. And the cry, yeah. crying, laughing emoji. Crying, laughing emoji. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Like I use Slack now, and like that's the sort of thing where, you know, it, emojis are great because like, Somebody says a thing, I'm like, I don't have words. Thumbs up. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah, yeah. We we use that. That happens a lot, and it's a, it's a very weird behavior because I think people are of two minds of it. Like, uh, w- when I confirm that I got an in, a piece of information, right? I'll send back a message saying, "Got it," or "Okay," you know, "Gotcha." Yeah. But some people on the staff will send just a react, like a little check mark react, and. Mm-hmm. That checkmark react doesn't like ping me, which I think is very considerate, right? Like you don't want to like buzz my phone again. Be- yeah. And it just says, okay, got it. But sometimes I need that science. Sometimes I need that proof of life. Sometimes I do need to know that, you know, something was received. Um, so I think that's one of the weird, like, uh, I don't know, social functions of digital communication nowadays. Like how well, and- do you bug someone to say yes or, you know, confirm? Yeah. And and that's the thing is for where we are now, where digital communication is so much more important than it has been as so many businesses are working remotely, uh, is the shifting paradigm of what we expect from each other. What is business communication? Like Slack, I do think feel like has kind of changed that uh, uh, sort of forever. Like this is this is, you know, now something that is, omnipresent less formal uh than let's say an email would be uh mm-hmm. and and yet can often get like particularly uh granular like you know you people get, get into side chats and side groups and everything that like i've heard from friends can oftentimes get you know kind of Nasty. Go- gossipy right mm-hmm. like or like like now it has replaced all these functions that used to be something that was physical and i think the informality is is a a part of it in that we're not treating it like we would treat like a fax machine or or a or even email it's it's kind of uh kind of fascinating it is a very interesting thing to see that every time we think about the future when you watch movies and stuff and part of it's the idea of just sort of streamlining to make things easier is like Oh, there's the game that we play in the future, or there's the form of communication, or is the it's this, but like right now we're doing Skype. I'll have a Google Hangout meeting later, and then I use Slack to talk to people, and then I've got 
text messages here, and then I've got email, and then, oh, I have a phone that sometimes people call me on, and, you know, we're getting more things, not fewer, which is interesting. And should should be good, right? I mean, it should be good that there are lots of different options out there for different things, right? I think of all of those different forms and I think, well, okay, well, you know, like all of the different things I've used over the past week, right? Like, okay, well, I use Discord to kind of have a casual hangout with, with friends, kind of drop in, drop out. Had a Zoom call to have a more formal hangout with, with people, you know, you have email for like, you know, we need, you know, confirmation, paper trail and all that stuff, Slack for, for work stuff. And, and I, I guess it's, it would, it's overwhelming. I think if you're not familiar with it, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in it, I'm deep in it. I'm down in the trenches of the water. Um, and so I know exactly what application is for what use, but I imagine if, if you are, even partially a, a tech luddite, it, there's a lot and it's confusing. And yeah, I could yeah I could imagine for somebody having to kind of immerse into that. And and I and I was just sort of saying like I wasn't kind of making a criticism of all the stuff. It's sort of an observation that we often come up with more granular tools and not the tool. And you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about for this episode was the future of like gaming and stuff and the idea that um, we are in 2020 and I've got. You know, oh. a, a de- you know, a device hey. that's a, a knockoff of the form factor of the Game Boy, mm-hmm. but because it's 2020, you buy this off of Amazon, and there comes a 400 games, which I don't know if that's legal. Almost <laughs> but certainly there's not. Like, <laughs> but it's like it's a but you know Amazon's choice. I'm like I'll buy this thing, and I'm like oh, I don't know if this is this seems like uh, you know, but it's fascinating that like you know for fifteen dollars you get an amazing Game Boy type clone with the mini PC and everything else inside of there, but it's 2020 and people still love these little handhelds and those little classic games. Yeah. And nobody's going, Oh, I like to play antique games. Oh, what's that? No, people know, people know what a joystick is. They know what a 2600 looks like. They know what these things are. They know what breakout is, you know, people where, you know, we don't sit around calling rock music. Oh, classical music. You know, like, no, it's yeah. rock. It's, you know, seventies era rock, which, People still listen to not yet right well but i think that's the thing that that the future the future is this idea of like uh i had this observation 20 years ago like i went to go do swing dancing back when that was a thing that dorks like me would go do and i'm like this is kind of interesting because i'm like i knew there was like a period like 10 years before that like older people would do it and this was sort of a thing and i don't know if it's i'm sure it's still around somewhere you know, and I'm like, how interesting is this that this is still a thing because it comes back and there's value here and it's sort of a neat social thing. And that was where I sort of thought that like, oh, things don't go out of style. Things, yeah. things, things will be, yeah, the permanence here. Like, yeah, this, you know, Star Trek Beyond called Beastie Boys classical music. Like, yeah, that's always the joke in futuristic movies, like rock, oh, classical music. But I'm like, no, we, we go, yeah, that's 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 rock, that's this. And you you listen to yeah, there was that big thing like uh, it made waves in some of the some, on the Twitter was uh, these kids listening to Bill Collins in the air tonight. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, no, yeah, it, and it shot up. It was like like in the air tonight, like charted because uh, that went viral and and people were like, "Wow, this dude's got it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw I'd seen those those kids a couple months before when they uh, listened to uh, Dolly Parton's Jolie. You know, yeah, and. 
you know, if you like music, you like good music, you know, you like good music. And that was sort of thought was sort of interesting. Was it like, you know, if you have taste, you have taste. You don't just say, well, my taste is from this period to this period. I mean, if you're, you know, that nerd you are. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, I think from a creator's perspective, right. We, we were talking a little bit, um, uh, uh, in between the shows here that like, you know, I, I made that album a few years ago and, uh, every so often I go back and listen to it because in my head, all of the details and all of the, all of the little extra, I don't know, all the facets of it get shaved down and, and rounded out. And I, and in my head it goes, Oh, well that's just, you know, that was just a thing, but then you kind of re experience it. And, uh, and it feels like, Oh, actually, yeah. Like a, I did, a, a lot of time to go into this. And I think that happens with, I think it's a function of, of nostalgia a little bit. Um, just you know, remind remembering like, oh, this wasn't this isn't bad because it's outdated. I've just forgotten about it, and it actually, you know, it still took a lot of time to make or a lot of ingenuity, creativity. Yeah, yeah we forget how much we care, and and like when you go look at old Nintendo games, you know, you go back and look at Mario, and you look at this, and like, man, what they thought about doing and the attention to things were there, and it shows to this day. And sometimes you realize that some things that today could use some other great things today, but some things could use a little bit more love and attention, you know, because it's often just easy to say, Oh, let me just drop this thing in here, do this thing in here. And boom, my game's ready. Where when you're working at such limited resources and you have to stand out from everything else. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's, you know, something that I, I think is fascinating about some of the, like, you know, the steam marketplace and the rise of indie games on mobile is that there really kind of was this idea of like returning to the basics of like, hey, what's just good gameplay? Because we're never going to be able to compete at the level of graphics or rendering or voice acting or mocap or whatever, but you can still have a great gameplay and and you can still kind of outthink, uh, uh, you know, AAA games or big titles by by what you plan on doing with it and and even in in a meta sense like bryce's obsession with the with the baseball game or whatever <laughs> like there is a there there is such a fascinating both in physical and digital games such a fascinating re-examining as the bar fell like to for the tools now almost anybody can at least get started doing one of those two things making a digital game making a physical game it now became like, no, let's evolve on the gameplay mechanics or let's evolve on fun. Like that was something that really went into contender and action news for me was like, what's fun? Like what makes you want to yell at your friends? Like, like what, what, how can we, how can we make this moment? And that's something that I, I think uh, because of the necessity of building games uh, had kind of been lost for a little bit. Or at least didn't have any as many players. There, uh, yeah. there was a delightful moment, and I was so so proud of Penny, who's now 16 years old. She's uh, acting dungeon master in our D and D campaign, and uh, I, for the life of me, do not remember how we ended up here. But we ended up in some kind of America's Got Talent reality uh, live stage show competition. So. Uh, uh, I found myself unironically calling uh, uh, Matt Donnelly 
and asking him for a reminder of what the structures of the triple threat, uh, apparently there are four to the triple threat, uh, four types of jokes were. And last night we spent three hours doing nothing but telling jokes in four structures and then rolling dice. Uh, 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 the difference between blank and your mom, uh, 107 blanks walk into a bar, uh, a, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to forget because there are four. Um, uh, uh, they call me the blank because I blank. And then um, uh, I've, I've lost the last one. But like having that excuse to give uh, that structure to everything and to see everybody jump in. And it didn't matter if they did good or bad because, you know, we're going to roll dice and that determine whether or not the crowd approved or didn't approve or not. Uh, but it, but it, it was, it was, it was really a remarkable experience. I like the fact that it's 2020 and people still roll dice to play games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it matters. Yeah. And I would say now more than ever, you know, now the, the, the explosion of dungeons and dragons as a mainstream form uh, of, of contemporary art is, is, remarkable it is it is one of uh the most amazing elements of of i think our modern culture i i when i was playing in rec room the other day and i've thought about this before of like it would be kind of fun to put on your vr helmet sit down and be in front of a big game board yeah and, yeah and and, and to, let, instead mm -hmm. of me playing a fantasy quest video game let me pay, play the really coolest version of Dungeons and Dragons in VR where we can be in a forest and we can look like characters and stuff, but we're still moving little characters around and stuff because it's that that social sort of kind of environment. And I think that I think that's one of the things that we talked about in the, in the uh, Weird Things episode, Facebook has horizons and I played in Rec Room. One of the problems here is locomotion is that we try to recreate these big spaces which look cool in video, but when you're there and you got to get from here to there, you either got to click your joystick and sort of just drag yourself through there or teleport. And both of them get tedious for a while because we're trying to recreate three-dimensional space when we're sitting, you know, we're standing in a six-by-six six sort of environment and walking around is a pain. And some of the best experiences I've had in VR are sometimes when people have scaled things down to fit down on your desk. Like there's uh, Moss is a really cool VR game. Have you seen this? Mm -mm. It's the one with the, this, your control, a little mouse running around. And so you're basically looking at like a diorama of this character. So you can sit down and watch it and you can see as you try to solve puzzles. And I love the idea of like, let's take sometimes the, the VR version, the virtual version doesn't have to be, and it's for real. It's sometimes like, no, it's just the cool thing about this. So, uh, yeah, this is on PlayStation. It's on Oculus. Uh, there's this little mouse that you control. And then basically you are stationary and you can pick up the mouse and controller and tell her where to go. And yeah, but, you're always in a fixed kind of camera position. So it's, yes, it's, yeah, you're looking down on the, on the space rather than first person. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to stand up and walk around and do it. You just sort of sit there and look at it and because it works because she's a mouse or so she's small. So you're looking down at this little tiny little world. And so I think, you know, that's one of the things I think about is just how much, how we, cause Brian, we started talking off, talking a bit about like, how much things didn't change. Like we don't, we don't call rock music now classical music. It's rock. It's, you know, you, you, you have a genre, you pick a, de a decade, you can be 15 years old and you can be the biggest Led Zeppelin fan in the world. Right. And nobody thinks that you're a weirdo. 
Right. Uh, it's 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 bottled up. It has a label. That's the thing. And 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 whether it's older, like like, um, boy, that's a weird thing too. Is like uh, when we were growing up, if you were seventeen years old and loved vinyl big band music, you you would get some looks. But but that's gone now. Where like yeah. now it's like, oh, you have chosen this to be your bubble to play around in. And uh, I don't know, part of me finds that kind of wonderful that, 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 oh, that, that we're all tolerant of it. Yeah, I, I see. I, I always sort of like I kind of have my count the Led Zeppelin T-shirts and they're always on teenagers. They're always on teenagers. And and, you know, their experience with that band isn't much different than my own. I, I started listening to Led Zeppelin long after they broke it up and Bonham, John Bonham had died, you know, but I saw oh, I love this sort of thing. And I see a kid today who listens to this and their experience is just as genuine as my own. And that's the thing I think about, you know, is that uh, they wear the shirt like, yeah, cool. You know, it was like seeing Joy Division shirts decades after you know, Joy Division was no longer a band. Oh, yeah. He's got cool. Um, it makes me think of, and, and maybe this will be my pick, but, uh, the diamond age by, uh, Neil Stephenson, you know, he talks mm -hmm. about like entire strata of society that have just, uh, mutually agreed upon like, Hey, we're all going to be Victorians and, uh, other strata are like, we're going to be, uh, uh, I don't know, Kung Fu artists or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, uh, in a post singularity world where you can have anything you want, you kind of get to decide how you want to live. Yeah. My, I love that book. I think it's a great pick, but my, my issue is sort of like that, that it becomes a 24 seven thing. It, it, to me, it's like rent fairs. It's a thing you do on the weekends. It's not a way of life you really want. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it made, you know, Stevenson is a guy who probably would live in a rent fair year round as long as he had computer access. <laughs> probably but, has. Yeah, uh, I was sort of my thing about that idea of like, no, like, I think the mutability of identity is really sort of the interesting thing is the idea that I go into this space, and I'm going to be this personality in this way. And then, oh, it's five o'clock. I'm going to go be that you look at look what happens at, you know, Comic Con and Dragon Con and stuff, different costume each day, right? You know, it, yeah. it is a different not I'm going to show up and be one character throughout like no, I'm going to share my love of this, my love of this and my love of this. If I, if I remember correctly, the justification in this particular book was that um, from the thousand yard view, it looked as though that was a uh, structure that would uh, fairly consistently provide a certain level of happiness. And and mm. uh, and that's why they did it. I, Again, read read the book. It's 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 worth it. Stevenson. Stevenson is great. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah. You hear people refer to classic rock referring to the fifties and sixties. Classic rock, though. We don't just say classical music. Like yeah, the sci-fi no. joke, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh although I you know, I've I've heard of, I don't know if I've ever caught it because I don't know exactly how much classic rock I listen to, especially now that I don't own a car and don't travel anymore, but uh I have heard 90s songs played on classic rock radio stations, or I've heard of this. I've heard of Nirvana on stations that used to only play uh, Led Zeppelin, and then they played Van Halen, and now they play Alice in Chains. So there, I think there is an element, at least in that field, but yeah, it is rock music. We are here for, like, they're not going to mix it in on NPR, you know? Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking a little bit about kind of the lasting, uh, uh, the, the lasting 
uh, force of these creative works. Do do any of the three of you go back and and listen or read or watch any of your old uh, old works? I'm scared to like. I know they'll always be there, and I know they will always be as either Schadenfreudelicious or as surprisingly good or as inspiring as they're ever going to be. And none of that's going to change. So as a result, like I regard it as it's, it's gold in a vault. So, so I, I sort of intentionally like the only way to ruin it is to peak too early. It's gold, Brian. It's literally gold in a vault. Mm. I mean, something. I mean, it's like I, I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to mine it somehow. Oh, just, just, just... <laughs> mine is uranium in a vault, Brian. <laughs> but, yeah. but, 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 but you get my point, right? Like, like whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, like that belongs in a time when I feel empty and I need help. But it's one of those things where it's like, um, I know it will always be there. So I have a tendency to always figure out an excuse to, you know, soon, soon, not, not now. Does that, does that affect your perception of, of those works over time? Like I mentioned, like the, the fuzziness of, of that stuff in the past. Um, I intentionally don't revisit the past very much we've we've talked about this i have no affinity for uh 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 uh, those feelings um because i know that every time you revisit a memory you're corrupting it and so as a result I, i i tend to try to stay dialed in in the moment i don't have brian's theory on why i don't revisit the past but i don't revisit the past i'm not nostalgic i'm not like i just i don't go back and reread my books i don't do any of that if you walked into my place you would not know that a that i was a magician or that i was an author you just you're not gonna see i Mm. get these plaques every time like i reach some new sales record for my book and little trophies and stuff i just don't interesting that's interesting because like like all those trophies go straight on the wall for me because i understand they're not there for me they're uh they're there for whoever is walking into the house for the first time or maybe maybe to some part they're for me as a reminder of hey if nothing else you did this I I did in my townhouse in Florida. I did put up a wall of all my books and videos, and the reason was was to remind myself because it was in my, my on the landing between the first floor and the second floor to remind myself what I do for a living. It was just this sort of thing because I'd be doing so many different projects, and I said I need to put this thing in front of me so every time I walk by, there's missing spots, and I know I got to make a thing. But I just I never I'm just not a nostalgic person. I say as I hold a Rubik's cube next to a Game Boy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think for me, it's a reminder of who I'm supposed to be for everybody who walks into this house. Like, like, like I walk in and I'm like, oh, that's right. This is who I need to be for everybody who comes in. Um, I don't know. What about you, Justin? Um, you know, I, I'm more on the side of not putting up uh achievement stuff uh i have my own bizarre uh personal thoughts on on whether or not i am motivated or unmotivated at the moment by realizing that i have any kind of 
talent. <laughs> uh, in terms of listening to stuff, if it's not mechanical, like, uh, you know, I've listened to Back to Raise the Dead and to Crystal. Um, I, uh, I, I don't in general, but I've, I've done that recently just to kind of try to make sure that the lessons I've learned or maybe to relearn lessons that I've forgotten by reminding myself of them. Uh, but that's to try to make the next thing better. And, uh, it, everything's kind of in service to going forward. That's, that's the big thing for me is, is that if it's, uh, if it ain't about what's next, then what about it? Yeah. I, 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 I suppose that's why I do put that stuff up is because, um, there are new people who enter my life and it's important that I remind myself of who they expect me to be and, uh, or who they've seen me as up until this point and, and, and who I'm representing in their mind, you know, and, and uh, if, if, if I'm not that anymore, then fine, we can fix that. But, but it's important that I know that I remind myself like somebody is here because their dad brought them because they happen to have a convention in San Antonio and they drove out to HQ and it was a 40 minute drive. And, and it's, it's, it's like, I, I, owe, I already owe them something and it, I, I think it's worthy to be reminded of what that is. No, I, I, I hear you. Like I, part of me is like, I've never been happy where I'm at. I'm always trying to think of where I am. I haven't said, Oh, I'm a thing. Like, you you have an identity around you know the youtuber and podcaster and stuff like this i've never been happy with whatever my present identity was whether it was magician or even novelist i was never like oh well this is me when i worked for the amazing randy you know there was the randy show when he would get a visitor to his foundation a visitor to where he worked or whatever there was a show there there was the awards there was everything this is this is the presentation and that was powerful. But that was that was the narrative is you went to go visit Randy and then Randy would bring you to the library. Randy would show you around. He'd maybe do a trick for you and whatever. And it was this very and it's like David Cop Copperfield with this museum. There's the David show. You know, right. what happens when you go see David. And I've, I've met other celebrities, too. Like you go to their house and there's the show of who they are. And this is what they do, because it's just so much of it is either something from having entertain reporters or people or the expectation on them. And I always thought that was kind of a very interesting sort of phenomena that i've just watched independently in several different places do you do you think it's inherently good or bad or um oh for the people visiting it's great brian the fact that when somebody goes to visit you and they get it they get they get the brian experience yeah 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 Yeah. do you i I, do, do you feel like the things that we've been talking about the last five or ten minutes feel are something that keep you stuck in a rut though, right? I mean, if, if like Brian, for example, you said, well, I don't go back and watch my old stuff. I really don't have like a longing for nostalgia, but also you're describing a world where you are keeping yourself to the memory of those things and also not reliving them. Um, like I, you're becoming uh, a facsimile of a facsimile at some point if you, if that goes on long enough, right? Uh, let me, let me try this on for size. I don't know if this will land or not, but it's like, uh, there's an asymmetry where it's like folks who show up here, they have either one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years of, of previous backstory of who they think I am and what we are. Um, I am not beholden to 
be those things from the past, but I am beholden to help them feel as good as possible for their investment that they've made for these past one year, five year, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, and so if I could do that by hanging some memorabilia on the walls, uh, and then also do the thing that I, I personally feel like is important, which is engage with them fully and say, where are you at? What can I do to help you? Then that seems like the best of both worlds. That's, that's what I try to aim, aim for. Yeah. Okay. What do you picks? Yeah. Uh, uh, the vow still <gasps> watching that vow, man, they're vowing the hell out of things over there in Nixium. And, uh, uh, in all seriousness, I thought that this was a, this is a, our modern world of, uh, uh, serialized documentaries are such that they tend to go on too long. In my opinion, there's even the really, really big and famous ones I think could probably be shorter by an episode or two. Um, this initially gave me those vibes, but I like the pacing that they are taking with this particular story. And, uh, I felt that this episode was a great way to kind of get us into some of the more dark elements of this, uh, uh, self help group slash communities slash cult, um, by explaining they just dedicate an entire episode to what happens when you realize and how long are you willing to delude yourself? How much are you willing to trust everybody um, or trust the voices that are, are lying to you? How much evidence do you need? And then once you flip that bit, uh, how do you even process how much damage you've let go by? because you were connected. And I thought that was not only a great story to be told about um, cults and stuff like that, because it is an often, often uh, told uh, in that context, but also in a lot of our lives, you know, there are, there are lessons to be learned. So in watching it so far, what would be the advice uh, theoretically, if somebody was trying to start their own self-help movement cult slash maybe sex thing, to not get caught. Hang on. <laughs> but, yeah, let, let, I'm going to grab a pen. Oh, wait, you're already doing the gag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, boy, uh, you know, some people just, I bet you Tony Robbins gets laid a lot. Like, it's all I'll say. Some people just need to go that extra mile. Like, I think, mean, you know, uh, uh, and then that's what that's what gets you in trouble. A lot of what they do, like, you know, is is much like Scientology to a certain point. People, even people who leave Scientology say that they still practice by some of the tenants because it did help them. There's a reason why they were in it to begin with. There is something that they got from it. Uh, but man, when these cult of personalities get really cult of personality you better wonder who's at the top of that org. Yeah. That's the thing. I remember when I was reading a lot about cults when I was younger and, and you know, Scientology, all these, I was just fascinated by it. And I had this sort of epiphany one day. The problem with cults, you know, besides the evil part and the, you know, ruining people's lives part, once you get past that, the problem when you create a cult is you're surrounded by people 
fell for it. Yes. And you want to have a conversation with somebody. You're having a conversation with somebody who has been, you've brainwashed, you know. So what did you think of The Expanse last night? I don't know, leader. What did, what did I think about the expanse last night? You know, mm. like, oh, did I like it? Oh, geez, come on. What do you think about this? Tra- How about the Batman trailer? You think of the Batman trailer? Yeah, the Batman trailer. What do we think? And it's kind of boring after a while. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know. There's there's a lot there's a lot in there. I would encourage everybody to watch it. Uh, I don't know how many how many episodes it's going to go, but uh, you know, I thought that they, they did an effective job of kind of laying out the story, and it helps that one of the guys that left that is a central character was shooting documentaries for Nexium, and so they have just the mother load of all footage and B roll. There's not really a moment that even if they need to recreate it. Uh, that they can't use file footage that effectively kind of recreates this moment in time. Uh, And then spoiler alert, uh, as things break down, people start recording each other's phone calls. And so they also have a wealth of actual recordings, high fidelity recordings of phone calls. Wow. I think I'm going to have these things capture your soul is going to be part of my my belief system. So don't do it. Like, don't record anything. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's the other thing is that, you know, all this footage comes from the leader who's like, I want everything. I want us to be in in history books in the next 100 years. So we better make sure that all of this is documented because (laughs) everything's on the up and up here. That famously well-documented religion, Christianity. Well, I mean, but even, the, even the no. To be to be fair, that's the reason why we know it is because for the time it was well documented, well, actually, and so it spread. But it wasn't really at the time that was a thing. It was all the well, stuff was written after the fact? Okay, sure. Well, I mean, um, no, so you're for... you're. I, I'm sorry. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, no, you're right. Actually, actually, I'm 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 on your side here, Andrew. As a matter of fact, that that'll be my pick. Uh, Bart Ehrman's the historical the Jesus is a uh, uh the great courses course uh uh where it's like a uh, uh, penny is at a place in her late teens where she's not wanting to go to church and bonnie was like you gotta you gotta you gotta be learning something so the two of us are are listening to a, a breakdown of the historical jesus why do we know what we know it's fantastic it's a very very good course uh yeah uh, uh yeah i'll sorry. tell you who always had who always had a camera running though that hitler guy <laughs> loved it <laughs> that dude see that yeah that's that what, to, your, to your point though justin always had a camera running now we want to tell the world how bad of a guy he is easy pole pot not a lot of cameras mal not a lot of cameras, not hitler? A lot of cameras. Oh, is this on are we are we live you know no, and then, stalin stalin guy. didn't fall for that one yep stalin yep. was like nope and erase the ones we do have. <laughs> Break <those. laughs> and kill the cameraman. <laughs> and kill the cameraman. And and whatever. Burn the books. Yeah. Uh, I got a I got a, a uh, just a brief pick. This is uh, something we're covering on uh, Court Killers. It's Spoiler in Time podcast. Uh, episode three just came out this week. It's Lovecraft Country, also on HBO. I'm I'm really digging this. I I think it's. It is more monster of the week than I thought it would be now that we're three episodes in, but I don't know the original book. 
Tom Merritt from Cord Killers says that the structure, at least from the first two episodes, the structure of the show follows the structure of the book pretty closely, which I would say is slightly unconventional from what you might consider from like an, a prestige HBO show. Um, but I think it's really cool. This third episode that just came out this week was like especially quote unquote spooky, like more of a horror story than the previous two and some more jump scares, stuff that maybe felt a little cheaper. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really taken by, by the characters, uh, by the entire cast of characters that, that are in play and the strange world that they're building that parallels not just, you know, real world uh, uh, discrimination in America, but also paralleling that with magic and the occult. Uh, I, I think it's it's a really fascinating and really kind of thrilling adventure so far. So Lovecraft Country. Anybody else? I know, Brian, you're watching it with, with us for Court Killers. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, uh, uh, I only got partway through episode three. I have to watch the rest of it, but uh, mm-hmm. but it looks like they take a pretty big gap between one, two, and then yeah. three, and three. I think they say it's uh, uh, months, a, a couple of months at yeah. most. Yeah. Um, which is just weird. It's very weird. I don't, I, I am still trying to wrap my head of like, cause this is a self-contained spoiler. Alert, this is a self-contained episode basically tonight or that on episode three, but then there's an arc maybe going on. There's, there's some things like it's, it's very kind of strange. Classic X-Files. Yeah. In a way that I have not experienced in quite a while. Most things have been very serialized as people want more prestige television. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's refreshing. Andrew? So I imagine if there was a TV series that was an episodic show that carried through a science fiction show where you had people like uh, uh, Andy Weir, Neil Stevenson, uh, Scalzi, uh, Peter of Hamilton writing episodes. Well, that sounds like a, a, a real rogues gallery of a writing staff. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing? Well, it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. You can't have it because the world doesn't work that way. But if we go jump back in time to the 1960s in this little known science fiction show where you had people like Robert Block, the guy that wrote Psycho, Richard Matheson, one of the, you know, greatest science fiction TV and book writers ever. People like that. Harlan Ellison writing stories for an episodic show. Well, that would be called Star Trek, and it's why we still remember it to this day. Uh-huh. And I was watching an episode, and one, I watched one episode, and like my girlfriend's a big fan of Richard Matheson. I'm like, oh, yeah, Richard Matheson wrote this. And then we watched another episode, like Robert Block. I'm like, Robert Block wrote Psycho, and he wrote this episode. You know, And it was very interesting to think about, like, we haven't had anything really like that. We've had some anthology shows and stuff where like you might get some other people, but you start looking through some of the writers – worked on the original yeah dc fontana who is a well-known star trek writer but david gerald who terrible tribbles we're just looking at the list here but you get a lot of theodore sturgeon okay theodore sturgeon very well-known science fiction writer and so that was a thing that just sort of just surprised me was how often you would i would see a name where i'm like oh yeah norman spinrad okay i mean just kind of really awesome i think part of why the thing the star trek was so iconic was that they brought in some of the best science fiction writers in that day, which they are a lot more affordable than I guess. But, um, uh, and that would be, uh, now you sort of, somebody maybe starts a franchise or a science fiction show and they maybe bring in one known writer or something like that, but to get a, a gallery like that writing for you, 
that's amazing. So yeah. classic Star Trek, for those of you who don't know, like it's on a lot of the different platforms now. They've gone and redone the VFX. So instead of looking at the the old school, it's, it's CGI Enterprise and stuff. The prints, they took the original, like the film prints, and they've actually used them. So if you watch it on a 4K TV, looks great. Wow. Uh, sound mix is not the best, but other than that, uh, you know, really, you know, just, just it's fun to watch it. Just sort of fun to watch it in this day and age and nice. appreciate have, like. Have we already discussed Lower Decks on this program? I think it was your pick a week or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. How was your. You still enjoying Fan. it? Fan. Deeper, like even a deeper appreciation. It's just I haven't watched the latest one, but I hear I hear great things. But yeah, yeah. I, Lower Decks is Lower Decks is my favorite new Star Trek thing probably since generation. So so my pick classic Star. Also, go watch the Halix documentary on the uh, Defunct Land channel, the one about the 1981 Disney rock band. It was good. More people Lived up to expectations. It's great. It's great. I if you if you're like I have zero interests whatsoever. Just watch the first 20 minutes and see what happens. Nice. Yeah, that's on the uh, Defunct Land channel, Disney's Forgotten Sci-Fi Rock Band. It's got 67 negative and 12,000 positive. <laughs> what and a it's world still like how many put a full documentary up there for free and 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 have that be just as awesome as that is. That's great. Oh yeah. What's the the view count right now? Uh 159,000 views. It's not, and it's just it's not climbed and like it's just it just it people need to see this <laughs> need to see this okay we'll have of course we have all the links in the show notes cool gentlemen it's been after the diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program 